0: Welcome back to the FFP. Today, I'm going to be breaking down four players that I think you need to avoid drafting or avoid taking come draft day this year. The reason I think you need to avoid taking these guys comes down to quite a few factors, but really it breaks down to a few simple things. One is ADP. I would say these guys aren't worth typically worth their average draft position, though average draft position fluctuates. And so I would note that I wouldn't say never draft them. I would just say that I wouldn't typically draft them. For example, there's a running back whose ADP has him, you know, sort of in that round two, round three sort of draft pick a lot. Uh, But if he fell to the fourth round, I'd absolutely take him, even though in the second round I would have to avoid. So remember that context is key. I think that's very important. The other thing with all of these players is while I don't think they'll, Typically, I don't think that they're going to live up to the expectations of their ADP and the hype they're getting this season. The biggest thing I would say is their risk is too high. If I don't think you're likely to do what you're expected to do and your risk is high, that's really a lose-lose scenario for me because I feel like I'm getting disappointment at best and a complete disaster at worst. So four players, breaking them down. Let's get right into it. And as always, I want to hear from you guys. Who are the players you're avoiding and what do you think of the picks that I made for this video? So the first player I think that you should avoid taking is Rob Gronkowski. I think a lot of people are excited. He's playing for a new team, Tampa, coming out of retirement with this guy Tom Brady. That's going to be really exciting. It's going to be really fun to watch. And I'd even say that I think he's going to make some spectacular plays. I think he's going to be fun to watch. I think he's going to that Tampa Bay offense as a whole is going to be just exciting. However, there are a few things to consider. One, he's coming out of retirement, he's rusty. I don't even need to break that down. I'm not gonna do any analysis of that. If you're watching this video, you're smart enough to know that you miss time, you don't play as well. You've gotta get the rust off and get in football shape. Those are the phrases we always use for players who haven't played in a while. That's exactly the sort of deal uh, Gronkowski is going with. His ADP has him being taken as the eighth tight end off the board, which for me feels a little bit risky. I will say there's not a whole lot of tight end uh, talent at that position, so it's not necessarily as bad to take him as your starter. Maybe if you were, you know, talking about other positions, a risky pick this much would would be worse, you know, at running back. But so it's not so bad at the tight end position. He's historically good. Uh, One thing I want to talk about is it's funny, I'm going to say avoid him, because I want to take a minute to talk about how absolutely phenomenal of a career he has had. And dare I say it, I would probably go out there and call Rob Gronkowski so far one of, if not the greatest tight ends of all time, especially when you look at purely their ability to receive. He is number one in fantasy points per game in both PPR and standard leagues. He's averaged 10.99 standard league fantasy points per game compared to Kelsey's 9.0. So he's almost two more points per game higher than the very next best guy. And the next best guy is Kelsey. So yeah, we're definitely living in a tight end heavy era compared to some other years. Also, In uh, in PPR, he has scored 15.5 PPR points per game. Kelsey at 14.2. So he beats him by almost another point and a half per game. He is head and shoulders. Hands down, far and away, the best fantasy tight end as far as points per game. And he's got great chemistry with Tom Brady. If you were going to come out of retirement, I would be far more nervous with him playing for any other team. But you get Brady on a new team and Gronk on a new team. I think he could lean on his tight end, who he's got some chemistry with, and he likes to throw to his tight ends. He has, for many years, been one of the quarterbacks who targets tight ends most. That's really, all in all, that's a great situation. That definitely is a great situation. However, there are some, some concerns. Uh, I wanna briefly go over his health. If you know anything about fantasy, Gronk has massive health issues. In fact, he hasn't played in a whole 16 game season, hasn't played the whole year without getting hurt since 2011. That was not only his second year in the NFL, but almost a decade ago. That's gotta be a massive concern that he has not had an entire healthy year in almost 10 years. That's pretty crazy, um, especially considering a lot of football fans, you know, I remember I was 10, that's when I really started getting into football, so you can imagine somebody who's just now getting into football um, was pretty much born when he was starting to play, but um, we look further more into that. He did play 15 games, so he was one game shy back in 2015, but that was still half a decade ago, but here's what's most importantly, what's most interesting about that. So he's played 144 possible games. He's played in 100 of those. And if you go on to um, sports injury report, he has had 18 notable injuries throughout his career. Massive elbow and shoulder surgeries, not to mention some back stuff, the ACL tear on his knee. He's been really banged up. There's a reason this guy's always wearing braces and pads and everything like that. The funny thing is, Sports Injury Report, and I'm not the biggest on trying to predict injuries, but they give him a 78% chance to miss at least four games, making him the most injury-prone player in the NFL according to their metrics and their ratings as far as likelihood to get hurt. So if you do draft him, understand there's a very good chance, I'm gonna say at least a 50% chance that he doesn't even play 75% of the season for you. So that's a major concern to look out for. However, when he does play, he is shown to be very talented, but will he be limited in Tampa under a new offense? That could very well happen. When we look at the notes, Last season, and I wanted to compare him to some of the other tight ends. We're living in a new tight end era. I think the NFL is different today than it was five years ago. So I want to look at some relevant information. Let's compare his situation to tight ends last year and see what he can sort of do. So last season, not one of the top five fantasy tight ends, not a single one, was on the same offense as a 1,000-yard receiving wideout. Not one. Not one. Now, I know a lot of people will be surprised Tyreek Hill didn't go over 1,000 yards. Tyreek Hill did miss some games. That's a bit of a skewed stat. But you could also argue that Kelsey's numbers would have been hurt if, if you know Hill had played the full season, whatever. Um, but that's just it. Not one of the five top five tight ends, not one of them, was on the same offense as a 1,000-yard receiver. That's a big deal for a tight end who is entering an offense with two 1,000-yard receivers it's in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who were number two and number three in fantasy points per game last season. Now only two of the top seven had thousand-yard receivers. Those were um, when we look at it, Jared Cook with Michael Thomas. So of course Michael Thomas is going to be a thousand-yard wideout, and then um, Austin Hooper with Julio Jones. So you can see that you know for that to happen to have a top 5 tight end and a top receiver you need a good quarterback Drew Brees and Matt Ryan you definitely need them and you also you also need uh, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones that's a pretty high standard to be set at right there both of those guys are absolutely phenomenal again he comes into a just crowded offense one thing to note and people get very excited about tom brady entering tampa bay's offense because he's so much better than Jameis winston and certainly he is far in a way hands down the better quarterback than winston Uh, but you do have to remember he's going to turn the ball over less that'll mean less garbage time stats finally don't forget that tampa bay has already got a couple of solid tight ends on their roster uh, by Cameron Brate and O.J. Howard, they will limit his value even more. Certainly, I wouldn't be surprised at all this year to see them run a lot of multiple tight end sets with their two-stud wideout split out. That could be a just that's a frustrating defense to cover, especially with such a mature quarterback under center. But that's why I'm avoiding Rob Gronkowski. It's hard for me to project him to finish top 10 or even top eight where people are taking him uh, when that offense is crowded. That offense is full, and that defense is getting better and better. They actually finished last year from Week 10 onward. They had more sacks than any other team in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. So you got to wonder where the volume is going to be for an injury-prone guy who's competing with other tight ends at his position. That's why I'd avoid Rob Gronkowski, but I'll quit dragging on. Let's get to our next guy. So now I want to talk about Austin Eckler because according to fantasy ADP, he's being taken as a bubble running back one, a guy who's either going to be a stud running back two or a low end running back one, but that's still huge volume for this guy or kind of a huge ranking, I guess is the right word. Sorry, I'm struggling to get through this, but that's the thing. I think that's a little bit high for him. I think there's a huge, huge risk factor with him that I would probably lean on avoiding him, taking him at that point. Now, if he falls to me, you know, in the third round, I'm not gonna turn that down, but he's not gonna fall that far. In fact, I think people are going to reach and take him in the first round. I think we're gonna see that happen more and more as the season gets closer. Last year, he did finish fourth in PPR and seventh in standard while he finished sixth and half PPR among running backs. In fact, he was the number one running back through the first three weeks of the season. And he was first with 0.5 fantasy points per snap. So he was a very efficient, very effective back and he had a great season. So why do I think it's a stretch for him to go from either, you know, that 4-7 spot all the way to an RB2 who shouldn't be a bubble RB1? Why do I say that? Looking into some of these research, he's a phenomenal elite passing game running back who can do so much catching the ball. There are concerns with him on the ground game. There's concerns with that offense. And there's a huge risk factor to him. There really is. Now, let's break it down. On the ground game, he is weak. He had just 132 carries last year. That was 34th in the NFL. He had 557 rushing yards. That was 32nd. And his 4.2 yards per carry were also forward, or excuse me. 30th in the NFL. So he was by far not really effective on the ground game. That limits him, right? That means his ceiling was what he did last year. If he does that again, he'll be hitting his ceiling again. He he can't compete with the Christian McCaffrey. He can't compete with the Saquon Barkley. He is not going to finish as a top fantasy running back because of his ceiling and I know that that's going to bother some people but we'll get to another reason why soon so please before you leave an angry comment give me a few more minutes to break down some stats because you would be right to say he's an elite passing running back his 104 targets and 92 catches were both second he was also second in receiving yards 993 receiving yards he had eight touchdowns which was first he was phenomenal in the passing game in fact his eight touchdowns doubled McCaffrey's receiving touchdowns he had a great great year but i think there's a lot of question marks there for starters he had 30 avoided tackles that was 25th among running backs i love to see him boost his ability to avoid tackles a little bit more he was efficient and avoided tackles per touch but the Chargers were very hesitant on giving him the ball more and that's a major concern for me but really what ultimately this comes down to and i guess i'll I'll save us all some time let's boil this down to the basics and talk about the one thing that's a major problem if you're only going to run on the ground for 500 yards you need to be Lights out, phenomenal, fantastic, can't miss, boom, pow, whatever you want to call it. You need to be the best of the best in the passing game. And I'd argue that he is, but there's a problem with that. He was the best of the best with a veteran quarterback who loved to throw his way in Phillip Rivers. What are you going to do now that you've got Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert as your quarterback? Justin Herbert, Herbert, to me, kind of looks like the new Mitchell Trubisky, and I I do really mean that. We've got Tyrod Taylor, who couldn't make it work out in Cleveland. He lost his job to Baker Mayfield, and he was not very productive out there with Jarvis Landry, who turned out to be, you know, proved that he was kind of being a little bit misused in in Miami there. And there's Odell Beckham, and there's so many weapons there. They got Chubb in the ground game, Kareem Hunt catching the ball the backfield. There was so much talent in that Cleveland offense, so much talent. And Tyrod Taylor couldn't get it done. So your best options are a rookie quarterback who hasn't really honestly matured. When you look at uh, Herbert's freshman year in college versus his last year playing in college, he really didn't seem to be any more polished a quarterback. That's a massive concern, a red flag that needs to be thrown. His quarterback options are not great. And so you've got to wonder, is that offense going to be able to move the chains? Are they going to get in the red zone? Are they going to score the points they need to score? Are they going to be able to target him and throw with enough accuracy to get him the ball? There's some major concerns there. He's not getting the volume on the ground game and I don't trust he's gonna have the efficiency and the volume in the passing game to continue what he did last year. So I'm avoiding him as a Bumble RB1. If you fell to the third and the fourth round, hey, I'll take it, thank you very much. But that's not gonna happen. I know that's not gonna happen. So for me, I'm just gonna hit that avoid button and uh, let's look for some other running backs. Yep, I think that you should avoid taking C.D. Lamb. That's the next guy we're gonna talk about. Uh, just like with the last thing I would say before you leave an angry comment, hear me out. And it's not because the reason he's on this list is not because his talent. I think he's a phenomenal talent. And if you're in a dynasty league, take him. But I want to I go redraft league specific right now, right? Break down just 2020. What does his future look like? What does his fantasy value look like? apart from all other seasons. If you're in a dynasty league, again, take him. He's a phenomenally talented wide receiver with a good quarterback, and that's great. Although there are concerns about whether or not Dak will be there in a few years, but whatever, we're not gonna worry about that because today we're just breaking down for this pick just this year. So looking at it right now, his ADP has the 36 receiver taken off the board. That makes him a wide receiver three and a fantasy starter. I think that's actually a bit of a stretch for me. Coming into this Dallas offense, they've already got a lot of weapons. Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best just ground-and-pound workhorse backs in the league, so they're going to be able to run the ball. He's also a guy who has a lot of catches over the last year. A couple years ago, he had 77 catches. Last year, he had 55 catches. He is going to get his touches. He is just gobbling up all the touches, especially in the red zone. Um, and then you've got Amari Cooper as your wide receiver one and Michael Gallup as your wide receiver two. Now, I think over time, we're definitely going to see C.D. Lamb become a wide receiver two, a wide receiver one in this offense. But starting out week one, I, you know, I would not at all be surprised to see him wide receiver three on the depth chart. And when I look back last year, um, I looked at the best depth chart wide receiver three and what he finished in fantasy, the best number three wide receiver, finished 42nd in fantasy points last year because it was just too much when you've got to throw to the first wide out and the second wide are getting more targets than you and then the running backs getting his touches and the tight end, you start to get buried and it becomes very difficult. And the wide receivers who do are often like McCole-Hardman types who've got phenomenal quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes. So that's very difficult. And these wide receivers are not just wide receiver one and two on the depth chart. They had phenomenal years last year. Cooper had 119 targets for 79 catches, 1200 yards, eight TDs. 15.1 yards per catch. Gallup had 66 catches. He had over 1,000 yards, 113 targets. He had six touchdowns and a monstrous 6.8 yards per reception. Again, Zeke has totaled 131 catches over the last two years and he has a career passer rating generated when targeted of 105.9, making him a really underrated talent in the passing game. So we've got a lot of other weapons there and that is a major concern. The bright side is. Last year they had Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb had 828 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So there is room for a wide receiver three to have some volume, Um, but to be a fantasy wide receiver three, I do think that's going to be a bit of a stretch. He's going to have to play very well. The Dallas Cowboys in games they won. They scored 35, 31, 31, 37, 37, 35, 44, and 47 points. Those were the games they won. That was a Dallas team that was pure offense. And if they do anything to improve their defense this year, that sort of wins aren't going to happen every single time they win the ball because that was all eight of their wins. The fewest points they scored and won a game was 31 points. That is crazy to me. I'd be surprised if they did that again. And I imagine they're probably not going to need to be putting up so many points next year if they're able to do anything to improve that defense, anything at all, really. Um, But there's also uncertainty with a new coach coming in. This whole contract with Dak and everything is a lot going on in that offense. They lose center Travis Frederick. So there are some uh, minor concerns that offense may not be quite as productive this year as it was last year. Um, But again, this idea that he's going to come in and be a wide receiver one and have all these fancy numbers, I think is a bit of a stretch. I'd call him more a wide receiver four or five um, because of that volume thing. Now, what really stands out to me what, there's two things that just really hit me over the head like a ton of bricks that are saying, whoa, we have got to wait on this dude's fantasy value for a while. And one is that he is known for being a fast wide out who stretches the field and makes big catches, but they've already got two wide receivers to do that. When your wide receiver one is averaging over 15 yards a catch and your wide receiver two is averaging just shy of 17 yards per catch, that's not what they need. You know what they need is a slot receiver. Which is why it's so concerning that post-draft, we heard reports of the Dallas Cowboys, um, who were apparently looking to trade, we heard rumors that they were maybe going to trade for like Christian Kirk or some sort of slot receiver. And in fact, when Dallas Cowboys COO Stephen Jones was asked about a possible trades for the wide receiver and cornerback position, all he said was, we're certainly looking to improve. Now maybe he was just referencing the cornerback position, but I've got a feeling they are not terribly confident in their wide receivers to fill that slot spot. You essentially have three guys who can stretch the field and that's about it. And then again, you bury him with tons of other talent in the offense even if he comes out to be the wide receiver too you've still got even if he's cd lamb is the receiver too you've still got a solid solid number three in Gallup. you've still got Ezekiel elliott on the ground and in the passing game you still got amari cooper number one um, man two three years from now cd lamb is going to be one of the most fun to watch one of the best receivers in the league uh, but for a one-year take in a redraft league he does make me nervous because there's so much going on there in that offense So I'm going to say, let's hit the avoid button on him. Let's find some other wide receivers for our short-term redraft leagues. Finally, guys, I think that you should avoid taking Mark Ingram. Now, this is weird for me because I actually like Mark Ingram. I love running backs who just score touchdowns, and that's kind of what he did last year. And I've always liked him, actually, for quite a few years now. I just think he's a good running back. He gets the job done. He's versatile. There's a lot to like there. But for as far as fantasy value goes, I tend to slightly lean towards avoiding taking. Now, I wanna include him in this video for three reasons. One, I would say of all four guys we're talking about, he is the one I would avoid the least because I don't think he's a terrible value and his ADP isn't terribly high, but there are some concerns. For example, he's 30 years old and when we look at it last year, he was the only running back 29 years or older, the only running back as the starter. And now he's 30 years old, he's a little bit older and when you look at some of the names that are his age or older, he's like LaShawn McCoy, who I believe is currently a free agent, Frank Gore, who's got no fantasy value, Carlos Hyde, who just got shipped to Seattle because even the Houston Texans didn't want him. We got Chris Thompson, a bunch of other nobodies. We got Peterson, who is still still a, an effective runner, and he's an RB too. Like, this is not a great group you really don't wanna be mixed in with that age because simply, 29 or older, 30 year older, you start slowing down at the running back position. And it's crazy to think that some of the most effective guys that are 29 years or older are, you know, Frank Gore and Peterson. That's, again, not a great group to be in. And that's a concern. And that's probably why the Ravens went out and drafted a running back, which has got to be the number one concern here, is that they... They took a running back. They had a historically good rushing season, and they still drafted a running back, and I think that's because they want to slowly work Mark Ingram out. And that's not any insult to him, but they know that two, three years from now, Ingram will not be a five yards per care running back, and they need a next five yards per care running back because that's what Lamar, that's what John Harbaugh, that's what they want to do. They want to run the ball. As great as Lamar was at throwing the ball last year, he's still a better runner, and that offense, they are run heavy. Uh, so there are some concerns as well that offense was historically efficient and you definitely have to wonder if he's going to be able to do that again he had five receiving touchdowns off just 25 catches that means every five times he caught the ball one of those was a touchdown i don't think that's going to happen again that is a very unlikely number he's pretty versatile back and he's not bad in the passing game but five receiving touchdowns does seem a little high for him when you look at guys like mccaffrey had four you you can imagine that maybe that seems like a little bit high to expect him to do that number again. He also finished with 0.43 fantasy points per snap. That was third best in the NFL and 0.95 fantasy points per touch. That was fifth best in the NFL. I think that's another efficiency mark that's going to go down because of how effective that Ravens offense was. If the defenses, opposing teams can do anything to slow down that Ravens offense. They will certainly be able to hurt his fantasy value, and I think they will. The Ravens were insanely good at converting the ball. They converted forty seven percent of their third downs, seventy point eight percent of their fourth downs, and they scored a touchdown on sixty seven percent of their red zones uh, red zone trips. That doesn't even include the field goals. They were monstrously efficient. You could not stop the Ravens last year, and that's my concern. Last year he had volume, last year he had versatility in the passing game, in the running game, in one of the most effective offenses out there, and everything was in place for him. He still did not really finish as one of those elite running backs. And then this year you come forward, defenses are going to figure some things out. He's going to lose touches to this new running back. They're going to have to do some other things. Lamar Jackson set the record for the most rushing attempts by a quarterback ever. They're going to have to learn how to throw the ball more and win games with more passing. Now that's again not a knock on Lamar Jackson. I know some Lamar Jackson defenders will be like he threw the ball great last year. I know he did. What I'm saying is he'll probably throw the ball more this year and I think they'll probably um, spread the ball out even more. They do lose Hayden Hurst a little depth at tight end. There are just some concerns that is he going to be able to hit those efficiency markers because I don't think he's going to score a receiving touchdown one in every five catches. I don't think he's going to be right up there with you know some of those most rushing touchdowns among running backs um again this is just a major concern for me as far as they draft a running back he is 30 years old the second most effective running back last year at his age or older uh, was latavius murray and latavius murray still a running back too who had limited usage so as a whole that's why i'm avoiding mark ingram and it's what i said early in the video guys i don't dislike mark ingram i like mark ingram a lot but I'm not going to be drafting him in the second round. But if he falls to the third round, he falls to the fourth round, I'd like that a lot. I'd certainly take him, and I'd be happy with him as my running back, too. The concern is that his ceiling for me is a high-end running back, too. His floor could very well be a running back three or four, and that is an issue you hate to be taking a guy who suddenly isn't even a starter, right? So that's my thoughts on it. I know that's probably the most controversial of the picks. That's why I put it at the end of the video. So hopefully you guys who are critical of me we'll see less of it. But uh, anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for your support. And if you happen to be listening to this on podcast, I really do appreciate your guys' support on there as we're trying to grow out other platforms other than YouTube. So make sure to check out our website, check out our Instagram, our Facebook, our podcast, check us out everywhere. And you can see we're trying to get fantasy content to you guys on any platform that you're at. But again, thank you so much for watching. You have a great day and God bless.